skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are going to want to come film this. Put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out. Put him out. I just see it, I just see it, I just see it. Sighted of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab, and it came back as an unknown creature. Hey guys, and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. We are the connoisseurs of strange, navigating the treacherous waters of the unknown, diving deep into the Mariana Trench of weird information, then surfacing up to the swirling vortex of the Bermuda Triangle to bring you guys the most bizarre encounters imaginable, then dissecting them with the skills of a pathologist to theorize what exactly is going on in this bizarre reality we all reside in. I am the one, the only Shane Squatch. <laughs> and I'm Oren. And I'm, it's my birthday, almost Jenny. Oh, you got to flip it up a little bit. I was going to say, Oren's been being basic on the last few, and Jenny's getting a little <laughs> little bit of a spice to it, a little, little bit I on the end there. nicknames. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's almost my birthday, Monday. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Happy, bir- happy pre-birthday. Well, this will be dropping Thank after you. your birthday, but for all the listeners out there, don't uh, forget to wish Jenny a happy birthday, of course. Yay! And then what was that? What was that fun name I threw at you? It was uh, Orin the Macho Man, Honcho Savage, or some <laughs> shit like that. You didn't even use my good name that I was planning for you. <laughs> there was a lot of describing words thrown in there. That's the point. It makes it fun. <laughs> the more adjectives, the better, because that's how you really get a good description of something. <laughs> We're still workshopping it. <laughs> so uh, before we get into everything today, uh, first of all, first and foremost, of course, just to get it out of the way, because you guys know I got to mention it because it's going to be happening soon. Uh, Squonkapalooza, I will be vending there, and it will only be me, unfortunately, this time. But for anybody that wants to meet all three of us next year all three of us will be at small town monster fest too just to drop a little extra plug in there but uh anybody that's interested in going to squonkapalooza it's going to be august 26th from 10 a.m to 6 p.m rain or shine and as they worded it is going to be a cryptid carnival for all ages so of course feel free to bring the family and it is free admission so if you guys are willing to make the trip, you don't have to pay for a ticket, so it's totally worth going. There's going to be a lot of awesome vendors there. There's going to be artists, crafts, games, speakers, movies, activities, live music, food trucks, and cosplay. So definitely worth going and checking out. And if you guys are interested in coming, of course, let me know that you guys are coming because I'd love to be able to know some of your guys' faces before we actually uh, meet up there. Or if you guys, you know, scoot past my table, at least I can recognize you and say, hey, you, why, why are you not saying hi to me? You got to st- stop by and say hi to me, of course. But uh, if anybody wants more information on that, uh, there is a link available down in the show description. But uh, getting into some of the more fun stuff to the show to give you guys a little bit of a teaser, I hear that you guys have some uh, fun and exciting news that you guys wanted to share before we get into it today. Oh, it's just been wide ass open over here. You have <laughs> no idea. But. Well, maybe you shouldn't be so wide butthole then. 
I, I, I can't help it. Don't spread that ass wide open. <laughs> That's what she said. Hey, oh. Anyway, uh, as some of our listeners might have seen on our Instagrams, um, me and Jenny went up to uh, Virginia Beach last weekend. Probably be a couple weeks ago by the time this episode airs. But, uh, Jenny, you want to tell everybody why we went up there first? We went up there to see Fall Out Boy. Because we're just a couple of 15-year-old emo kids inside. Did you guys wear an emo flip wig? Please tell me. At least you saw one person there that had a really bad black emo flip wig. Oh, there was way more than one. Like, there's, like, people with, like, the pants with the chains hanging off of them. Like, girls with fishnet stockings and, um... Daisy Dukes. Do people still know what Daisy Dukes are? Like, <laughs> I think probably booty, so. Booty shorts, booty jean shorts. Booty shorts, either way. Yeah, For anybody that uh, isn't familiar, that is a Dukes of Hazard <laughs> reference. So if you guys aren't familiar, go watch Dukes of Hazard, either the old TV show or there is a couple uh, okay movies that Johnny Knoxville was in, but then you'll be totally familiar with the term Daisy Dukes. <laughs> yes. So, but very, as far as those chain people go, I'm pretty sure they had the real haircut. Those weren't wigs, my friend. <laughs> no, they were not phoning it. They were not dabbling in emo. They they were penis deep into it. But anyway, so we went up there for the Fall Out Boy concert, and we saw some sights and did some stuff while we were up there. Uh, one of the things we saw, we're going to get into a little bit more later in the episode, but um, one of the things I wanted to do is we ate at a Jollibee. Are you familiar with that, Shane? Never heard of it. Okay, so I was not either till a few years ago, and I saw it on an Anthony Bourdain episode. So it's this Filipino fast food chain, and they specialize in fried chicken and spaghetti. Oh, my God. It is so (laughs) good. Do they put it together? Yes. So their naming conventions are really weird when you go, like, get a combo. It's not like a tailgate special or anything. I think the, like, spaghetti slash fried chicken combo thing we got it's called like the jolly bee chicken joy bucket treat bee or something like that like there's so fucking mouthful just like the food (laughs) yeah 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 it's a mouthful but anyway this place is insane because it's not like spaghetti spaghetti it's like filipino style spaghetti which i didn't even know was a thing yeah what the fuck is that (laughs) so it doesn't have like a tomato based sauce the sauce is like banana ketchup based because apparently like tomatoes are in short supply in the philippines or were at some point so it's like really sweet and it's got like cut up hot dogs in it it's insane <laughs> you had me until you threw the hot dogs in <laughs> no dude it's so good it's really good and i was telling jenny like this place is like a drunk dude's fever dream because it's like i want fried chicken and i want spaghetti <laughs> but, but can you put them together we do that here yes <laughs> so we went to Jollibee and ate our fried chicken and spaghetti before the show. And then we took it to the our leftovers to the hotel room. And I went hard on some wiener sketty after <laughs> Fallout Boy when our drunk. I wouldn't say that too loud. In. <laughs> I did. All right, well, Jenny That's went hard said. on some wiener sketty. <laughs> well, I guess she did end up saying it then. So that button was perfect that time. <laughs> <laughs> but, and they had pies too. Oh like, yeah, I forgot about the like pies. It was it, cream pies they, and wiener getty. Uh, they weren't cream pies. <laughs> they did have like a pineapple one though that we didn't even know was on it the menu. Creamy, so we yeah. didn't try it, but it was like a mango peach pie, and it was like McDonald's, like you know those McDonald's like pies, apple pies, but so much better. So, so anyway, had, if pie. any of you guys out there get to try a Jollibee, do it. It's insane, but totally worth it. Just out of curiosity, is it Jolly like B E E like a B, yeah. or is it like Mixed. Jolly B like oh, yeah, a letter the, B? 
No, it's spelled J O L L I B E E. One word. Yeah, and their mascot's like this little bee fellow wearing like a fast food hat. He, he's just adorable. So. Oh, you know what's even better about that is I don't know if this is for sure or not, but you have those places sometimes that'll drizzle honey onto their chicken. Now that they have a bee as the logo, I'm curious <laughs> if they're one of those places because that shit fucking slaps. <laughs> no, but they do give you gravy to dip your fried chicken in, which is just earth shattering. So. <laughs> it sounds like uh, you're going to leave this place uh, a couple pants is bigger unfortunately oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on top yeah. of the bloating from the beer that you drank before you went there of course and after <laughs> and, and after, after. Yeah. <laughs> so, but maybe you want to uh, tell the story about when we checked into the hotel okay so we check into the hotel this is after Jollibee yeah oh you mean that yeah yeah after Jollibee before <laughs> before fallout boy so we walk in and to the left there's just quite the setup and I'm not sure like it's just all these decorations and I can't even figure out what the hell's going on. So when we check in, I said, are you guys having prom here? Are you hosting prom? <laughs> and they're like, no, it's a sweet 16 party. So apparently the sweet 16 party was just a ridiculous deal. And we were like, okay, we're, we're going to come eat all their leftovers <laughs> after a uh, follow up. We'll probably, probably uh, spend a night in jail. But anyway, we didn't do that. Nobody but went luckily to jail. Luckily for them, they were done by they the time done. we got back. So we head up to the room and we can't get the TV to turn on. And, you know, Orrin's a sweetheart about this sort of thing. He's like, I don't care. And I'm like, I don't care right now, but I'm going to care later. So I call down to room, you know, to the front desk and tell him what's going on. First one guy comes up. He can't fix it. So another guy comes up. So at some point we have three people just trying to work with this TV. And at some point one of them says, let's just go get them a new fucking TV. <laughs> That's so what they, I thought would be the simplest option. Even if you do have to work on fixing it, just swap oh, the it, TV. It took a while to get there. <laughs> it, it was so funny. And they were all so nice. And this one guy was training the other little guy because he was a college student working through the summer. And he said, I need a screwdriver. And he said, which one? The one that's sharp or the one with a cross on it. And I'm about to fucking fall off the bed because this is just just way beyond my adorable uhness can and so anyway, at some point there were five of them in the room. So they finally get this TV put together and then the one guy drops it in the floor. Yeah, he was like putting the stand on it, like on the corner of the bed, and the whole TV just like falls into the floor. And so when they got it set up, it was like it all was, crooked. Yeah. yeah. Considering Fire. these guys didn't know the difference between a Phillips and a flathead, I am very worried about them even touching this TV in the first place. That was just the apprentice. <laughs> just the apprentice. Yeah. You know, the other guy was like talking mad shit about him when he went to get screwed. Yeah, about how his dad didn't make him hold the flashlight and all that kind of shit. But anyway, so yeah, we had like four maintenance men in our hotel room at one time and it, it was a party. It was a party. How many maintenance guys does it take to, to fix a TV? I don't yeah, know what the punchline like is, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, at the Double Tree by Hilton in Virginia Beach, Virginia, it's at least four. So. <laughs> at five at some times, when you, when you have somebody walk in the room to grab a pointy yeah, one or a flat only one. only came for a second. He, he, yeah, and everyone was busting his yeah. balls or like... For, uh, last in, first to leave. Yeah, he, he was just him. supervising. So. <laughs> so they must be a union then. <laughs> <laughs> cannot confirm nor deny. But anyway, so that was a TV gate at the hotel. So, TV gate, yeah. So I guess that's kind of all of our witty banters. Did you want to talk about the appliance gate today? <laughs> oh, my God. So just I'll try to make this quick. But so we had that whole fiasco with the TV, which wasn't that much of a fiasco. We have been having 
dryer gate for a year now. Our, our dryer's been just fucking up for a year and I keep putting in orders and I'm like, look, you can fry an egg on the top of it. It's just very scary. Every time you turn the dryer on, it like makes some new squeaking yeah. sound. <laughs> so new, new sound drops every week. But, <laughs> so this week it finally started smoking. And when I opened the door, the back behind the barrel was completely red. So inside the dryer is now about to blow up. That sounds yeah, we're doing like horrifying. rocketry experiments in here. What's up with and all the gates exploding or imploding rather? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was very scary. And I just, I, I have to think in a past life, I must have died in a fire because my uh, patients for things catching on fire are very uh, uh, out of hand like <laughs> like if the grill gets too hot i start freaking out and the dryers freaking me out so anyway so i told Warren, i said can i said i'll go talk to him but i think you'll do a better job at it so i guess today you wouldn't killed him with kindness <laughs> not really i just was like look uh, we've put three work orders in for this thing we just need a new dryer at this point so, so if it explodes you guys have to deal with it yeah <laughs> So, yeah, we got a new dryer, but there was also, like, the entire maintenance crew came up here to install this dryer. We had four maintenance people up here <laughs> again. So it's just been, like, just maintenance men all over the place for us here the past yeah. week. It's so. raining maintenance men. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, that's our that's the all of our appliance Woody. stories. Yeah. So I, I know everyone's just enthralled by this, but... <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, you guys know the drill. Do all the internet things. Reach out to us on social media. Instagram's where we're most active. Reach out through email. BizarreEncounters at Outlook.com. Share suggestions for the show, for guests, for topics, uh, anything of that nature. Any way y'all want to contribute to the show, reach out. And also share your Bizarre Encounters for the book Shane's working on. Got a couple of them. It's going to take a little bit to collect enough stories to make the book. But the only way I'm going to be able to do that is with your guys' help because, of course, I want to be able to include your guys' encounters in the book. So if you guys got anything, even if you don't feel like typing it out, if you guys send me an audio message, I'll convert it into text and then I'll use it that way. Make it easy for you guys. You can email it to me, send it to me as a message on Instagram, however you want to do it. Just don't forget to share your uh, bizarre encounters with us for that. And also, if you guys are interested, too, I can also share them in the beginning of the show because we would like to do a listener encounter segment here and there when we get the chance to do so. And uh, if you guys aren't following us on social media, since I did reference that, of course, go and follow us on social media. Uh, the one that we're the most active on, of course, is Instagram. Uh, but we also do have a Telegram and a Discord set up, and that's the uh, Open Minds Media Telegram and Discord. And uh, we do also have a TikTok and a YouTube. If anybody's interested in finding little uh, clips of the show for points of interest of topic things that we were talking about, and then I kind of put them with like a question that has something to do with it, like the most recent one that I did, uh, which will be a week or two old at this point. But uh, it was saying, uh, is it possible for tricksters to attach themselves? And then we used the slit snippet from the last show with. Uh, exploring with phil and uh yeah i do a lot of interesting stuff over there trying to expand all the video format of all that stuff so you know if you guys aren't at least sharing episodes of the show with people at least share the little clips of the show maybe you can get people interested and of course we more than appreciate it and uh, if you guys want to support the show there's three awesome ways to do so number one is through patreon where there you'll get early access to the show you'll get lives of the show you'll get live replays of the show which is the video format and, of course, you will get exclusive uh, merch store discounts. Uh, always expanding the Patreon, so if there's anything you guys want to see over there, just let us know. And uh, hopefully we'll 
include some more uh, possible like hangouts, different things like that. We have some a bunch of ideas, just a matter of coordinating them. But if you guys have any suggestions, we would more than love to hear them. And if you guys want to donate to the show directly to help us pay for some of the programs, different things we got to use for the show, uh, you guys can do that through Red Circle, which is our RSS host for the show, which is if you go down to the very bottom of the show description, you will see it at the very bottom. It'll say something along the lines of donate on Red Circle. And if you guys do that and it doesn't give you an option to leave some type of personalized message, then of course, send us a message, let us know that you guys donated. And uh, we always like to give appreciation where appreciations do. And uh, if you guys aren't able to do that, at least, you know, interact, share the show, leave reviews, ratings, all that kind of stuff, uh, support the show in some way, shape or form. And that doesn't just go for the show that goes for any podcast that you guys enjoy. Uh, find some way to support it, uh, be it that you guys want to contribute to the show and donate or you guys just want to interact, um, share the show, um, tell us what you think of the show, all that. It all goes a long way and every podcaster more than appreciates it. And last of all, if you guys want to support the show, you guys can go and check out the awesome Open Minds Media merch store. There you'll find a bunch of awesome new exclusive designs for Bizarre Encounters and Inquiries of All Reality and Bite Size Bizarre. So a lot of cool stuff going on over there. Speaking of, Shane, why don't you tell everybody about the shirt you're wearing right now? Ooh, speaking of new shirts, we've been talking about this for a while on the show. Uh, I made the new Stay Bizarre design for all the people that listen to the end of the show. That's kind of become our end out catchphrase. So if anybody hasn't seen the shirt, I highly recommend going and checking it out on Instagram, which I've posted a few things for it. Uh, But essentially, it's like this 90s cartoony style, and it has a Sasquatch getting abducted by a UFO while an alien, giant alien head, like, overwatches it. And it says, stay bizarre on the top. It's a pretty cool design. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And just an extension of that, I also added some new posters and different things over on the uh, the merch store. So if you guys want to find that design as a poster, you guys can do that. We even have the cool little uh, metal posters that you guys can put up for that one. And I'm also working on, they added windbreakers. And I'm a huge fan of the slick look of windbreakers. So I'm making a line of windbreakers to put on there. Um, Some of the ones that I've worked on so far is in the front, it has the Open Minds Media patch. And then on the back, it has our big encounter. Uh, Bizarre Encounters logo and it's done on a black windbreaker. It's pretty sweet, pretty slick and uh, I'm going to be adding some more things on there. Um, As soon as I come up with a cool little patch for the Stay Bizarre design, I'll probably be making a windbreaker for the Stay Bizarre design. So a lot of cool stuff going on over there. Um, I'm trying to make it a semi-regular thing that at least maybe once a month, once every other month, I'll be adding some type of new shirt design. Um, May even start doing a thing where I start pulling the ones off the back end unless they're like a really, really good design um, and kind of keep it ever flowing, creating new designs over there. And uh, I may even get into not just like the podcast designs, but start doing our own exclusive cryptid designs. So always keep tabs on the Open Minds Media merch store because as we progress into the future, it won't just be the basic logos. And I think that you guys will find a lot of really cool stuff that you'll enjoy as I'm figuring out even more so how to create those awesome designs for you guys. And um, as always, Joe at Crypto Theology has some very cool cryptid uh, t-shirts and merch so go check him out and also everything that we've mentioned all of the shit is in the link tree in the show notes and now hopping into this awesome deep dive that we got for you guys today because we all know how much you guys love when we have interviews on but it seems like we get way better feedback when we do these solo episodes so expect that you're going to see a lot more of these solo episodes and uh, we've been, again, bouncing back and forth on the research. Uh, Oren's been doing some really good, solid uh, single-episode ones. Um, I've been working on a couple longer ones, so we're going to have a couple longer sagas, like the first two that we did coming soon, because that's usually the type that I end up setting up. But uh, for today, 
We have an awesome topic that Oren put together, and it's something that he's super passionate about and been talking about for a while. So without further ado, man, take it away with this awesome deep dive you got for us today. All right, y'all. So like I said in the uh, pre-show witty banter, uh, this topic kind of does play into the trip we took this last weekend. And um, when I knew we were going to be going to Virginia Beach for the concert, uh, I kind of knew this thing had a Virginia Beach connection and started doing some research. So today we are going to talk about Edgar Casey. He's known as the Sleeping Prophet, and he's one of the most famous psychics and clairvoyants to ever live. So his method kind of consisted of going into these trance-like states. And when he was in these trances, he would give his readings and prophecies, and uh, he would even like diagnose health issues for people. And so when Casey was in these trance-like states, uh, he would just like speak aloud, and the words he spoke were written down by an observer. Uh, early on in his career, it was his wife, and then like one of his friends did it for him. It's like a spirit uh, box but, without the spirit box. Yeah, yeah, he was a, a human <laughs> spirit box. But um, kind of as he got more established, he had a full-time secretary that was like his stenographer, basically, for the rest of his career. Um, and he said, like, when he woke up from these trances, he was completely unaware of anything that he had said while he was in these trance-like states. Uh, he also said that the information in these readings came from his subconscious mind exploring the dream realm, where he said all minds were timelessly connected. What does that sound like to you, Shane? Universal consciousness. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> kind of Akashic record type stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to get into that a little bit more later. So uh, that's just kind of an overview. But uh, digging back into Mr. Casey's early life, this is one of my favorite parts here. So Edgar Casey was born on March 18th, 1877 in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Sorry, I had to smack the desk loud enough to make sure people heard me do it. <laughs> and uh, because you were just beating on the desk, in my notes here, I've got like a series of exclamation marks in my notes after Hopkinsville, but it gets better. So his family were devout Christians, but as a child, he claimed to have many strange experiences. He said that he had repeated encounters and conversations with the ghost of his grandfather, but this is the good one. He claimed that as a child, he conversed with, quote, fairy-like beings he called little folk. Ooh. Keep in mind, this is in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So another synchronicity plays into everything we've been talking about here recently. And even connecting into one of the dives that I've been working on with mm -hmm. little people lore. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's yep. not familiar, not to drop too much, because I'm going to end up getting into a whole thing about this. But let's just drop one, one phrase. Moon-eyed people. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Edgar Casey said that he continued to have interactions with these little folk as he grew older. And so, I mean, that's just crazy to me. Like, when I was researching about this, I brought it home to Jenny. I was like, you are not going to believe, one, where this guy's from, and two, this thing about the little people in Hopkinsville. It's just crazy. Did but. he describe them at all? Like, like physical appearance other than fairy-like? So this was the only description I was able to find. Um, and this was in actually a book. Uh, it's called Origin of the Gods. Uh, it's a really good book. It's about like um, 
basically like the ultra terrestrial side of things like consciousness energies all that to explain uh you know extraterrestrial type stuff but like there's just kind of a throwaway passage in that book about edgar casey and this little people thing like that's where i found it i didn't even find it in like wikipedia or anything like that so i gotta say though i haven't heard anybody make any kind of reference to this so this is pretty fascinating information especially considering the hopskinville uh connection to this yeah so if anybody that's listening knows any more about this edgar casey little folk fairy possible connection definitely reach out to us because this is something i'm super interested in mm-hmm. so anyway Moving on to some more strange, uh, bizarre encounters, if you will, that Ooh. Edgar Casey had. <laughs> plug, 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 plug. I said the name of the show. <laughs> so uh, one day, Edgar Casey was uh, supposedly reading his Bible um, out in the forest behind their house, and this is when he was, you know, kind of a child, adolescent. And he said when he returned to his bedroom. Um, from reading the Bible in the woods, he was visited by an angel and he described this angel as a woman with wings. And he said he was praying in his bedroom and the room filled up with light and he felt himself rise. And then he saw the glowing form of the angel, which what do we always talk about? Language. This sounds like uh, an abduction. That's where I was at. I was going to say, dude, it's it's everywhere. Like this experience just happens across everything, and it's like, oh, it's it's an angel. Oh, it's an alien. Oh, it's this. It's like, like it's it's just boggles your mind the fact that it's like you have this from so many different perspectives, and it's been seen for so long, but we still have Mm -hmm. honestly like nothing figured out other than theories. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, if we just read this chapter or this passage here, his bedroom filled up with light and he felt himself rise and he saw the glowing form of a blank. That sounds Uh, a uh, lot like uh, Ron Weed that we had on a long time ago. Very, very similar story. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's basically an abduction by any other name. But anyway, so the angel reportedly told Edgar Casey that he needed to help the sick and afflicted. And, you know, apart from all the obvious kind of alien abduction angles to this, this to me also sounds a lot like the whole Joseph Smith Mormon story about like he being out in the woods and an angel came to him and, you know, supposedly gave him the Book of Mormon and all that. And I've always thought, hey, that sounds like an alien abduction too. And then I came across this and it's like the exact same story. So that's something that I thought was kind of interesting as well. Do you talk about two different lenses though? Could you be, it could like, just to be weird and confusing with this, but you could come at this as like the biblical angle could be like theoretically the right angle. And we're including all alien phenomenon as part of it as its own thing, but it could just be angel or it could again be the complete opposite where everything that we're considering angel could actually be some type of alien thing. And just, it's weird to think about, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of gets back to like the whole ultra terrestrial thing. Maybe we're, we're probably all talking about the same thing here. We just don't know what it actually is. That's honestly what I relate to. And the fact that we've talked about it many times on the show that, these things seem to present themselves with what people would find semi-familiar and knowing like where society is now and how we've kind of been pushing away from like, you know, mass religion um, since, you know, probably sixties on uh, it makes sense that the things that they would come as would be aliens because that would be the thing that would make the most sense to the modern day human. But back in the day, 
you know, aliens weren't a topic they're talking about. Everybody was religious. Everybody believed in all this. So, of course, if you're trying to portray some kind of message or come down, it wouldn't make sense to show yourself as anything but an alien. I mean, but an angel. And the even weirder part about it is you hear the whole idea about, like, the biblical angel where it's, like, all the many eyes with, like, the spinning wheels and all the wings and all that kind of shit. And, you know, how they show themselves in this form because then it doesn't scare people. Like, it's right there, too. That these yeah. things, they're not coming in their true form. They're, they are able to present themselves as whatever is most comfortable with people. So even looking at it from that way, these biblical angels, these interdimensional weird creatures that don't make sense from our logic or standpoint, you know, could just be that. And they used to portray themselves as angels, and now they portray themselves as aliens. And it's not aliens or angels. It's this other thing that's portraying itself as both that you hear reference to from both. Because even with extraterrestrial shit... You hear about these interdimensional beings that their physical makeup like doesn't make sense in our dimension because it isn't practical and doesn't work with the laws of physics in our dimension. No, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, even taking it a step further, like you said, I mean, this was the 1800s when this happened. So anything weird that happens, I mean, especially, you know, light filling up your bedroom, you're going to look at that through a biblical perspective at that point and i think you were spot on when you're talking about now people don't look at things in that judeo-christian frame of mind so much and so yeah like we always say one person's alien is another person's demon is another person's angel and i mean these things too think about how much easier it probably was for them to portray a message now or then versus now because back then again like you said everybody instantly associates it with something that has to do with their religion but nowadays, it's like people don't know how to take that shit. So it's like, it's hit or miss. Like, they could show up to almost anybody, you know, early 1900s and past, and they would instantly take them as some type of religious figure and listen to everything they have to say. But then past that, it's like they almost have to be choosy about who they pick because they can't just present themselves to anybody anymore. Like, it has to be certain people. And even if they do present themselves and they have information that they want to be spread out, they can't come at it from, like, two crazy woo-woo of an angle otherwise that person's going to be so traumatized by the story that they're not even going to want to tell people because they don't think anybody's going to believe them in the first place but you know bright light somebody taking you in your bedroom nowadays everybody's like oh you're you're crazy or whatever unless you're in the community and you're like oh that's an alien abduction but back then you know if you were of somebody who was of right mind and you came to you know your religious leader and said i had this this experience like they're going to hear it out and they're, they're actually going to want to hear it. Like you're not going to get casted upon like that bad idea unless they think that you're doing some kind of witchcraft and they want to twist it on you that way. Like, Oh, it wasn't an angel. You summoned something, you know, like then you're, then you're <laughs> fucked at that point. But <laughs> no, no, just, just an angel coming and visiting you and spitting some knowledge to you. But <laughs> so anyway, uh, after Edgar Casey's encounter with the angel, um, he was having trouble in school. And he was having a lot of trouble with spelling. And his father apparently uh, did not take kindly to this. And he was, you know, pretty uh, abusive to Edgar uh, about these grades and was basically like trying to beat the spelling into him, it sounds like. Just a weird thing to throw in here. If he was seeing this type of weird shit, what if his like mind and like vision were like the next dimension up? And that's why he had a problem with like reading words on a page is because it was like, words on a page is almost like a dimension down so if his mind's thinking from a different standpoint it almost be like him trying to you know like the concept about you know you see the sphere but the people mm -hmm. who are underneath in the other dimension are only seeing a circle from the bottom kind of the same idea maybe he couldn't like interpret couldn't these letters properly because his yeah. mind was thinking 
ultra dimensionally instead of like flat dimension. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's like the two D versus three D versus four D type. Because yeah. that's like the whole thing with people that are um, what's what's what I'm looking for where they mix up letters. I'm brain farting on the word right now. Dyslexic. Dyslexic. They say that people that are dyslexic think in three D and they can think like objects in three D and that's why they have an issue with understanding and like mixing up words is because their brain works in three D because there's. Hmm. Um, like left and right sided brain where one of them thinks in, uh, like words and the other one thinks in images and then dyslexic brains think in 3d and they have like their own weird thinking pattern. And that's why they can't distinguish text because their mind works in 3d, which could be the same for this guy. Cause no, I'm sure dyslexic may not have been a medical phrase used back in the late right. 1800s, you know? Well, and there is a, uh, something medical kind of that was used to maybe, explain this away that we're going to get to in a second, but I, I kind of like the, the path you're going down there, Shane. But uh, anyway, so during this time when his father was like basically beating him for not being good at spelling, supposedly the angel appeared to Edgar Casey, and he told him that if he just went to sleep, they, quote-unquote, could help him. So Edgar Casey took a nap, he took his spelling book and supposedly put it under his pillow, took his nap, and when he woke up, he could supposedly memorize every word of the book, like, just from top to bottom, just knew every word, could just spout it off from memory. And so people have suggested that, well, maybe he just had a photographic memory, and that's why he was able to do a lot of this stuff. And because of this, like, supposed photographic memory that he had, um, he became kind of like a local celebrity uh, just for being able to memorize large amounts of information. And like he actually did like public shows at theaters and stuff, um, reciting like speeches and things like that. But uh, so that's kind of his earlier life. But when he get, got a little bit older, he developed a throat condition and it made him uh, or made it extremely difficult for him to speak anything above a whisper. And all the local doctors were kind of at a loss. They couldn't figure out what was going on with him. They tried everything they knew to try. But a traveling hypnotist came through Hopkinsville, and he offered to help. So reportedly, Edgar Casey was put under hypnosis, and while he was under hypnosis, his voice returned. He could speak perfectly fine while he was, again, in one of these trance-like states. Uh, but when he was, you know, snapped out of the hypnosis, his voice disappeared again. He couldn't speak above a whisper. So he continued to kind of go under these trances uh, to figure out what was going on. And in 1901, he performed his first psychic reading on himself. And in this trance, he diagnosed supposedly what was wrong with him uh, with this throat condition. And while he was still in the trance, his throat became bright red and he spit out blood. And this time when he awakened from the trance, he spoke perfectly and never had any problems with this throat condition again. What do you like spit up something that was like lot not lodging his throat, but maybe I don't know, just you hear about that weird stuff with like uh people getting put into a trance state and this connects in with possible like the angelic or possibly alien type of thing where all of a sudden these like healing effects start to take place. So I don't know. I wonder if there was like something like, like a nodule or something like that on like his vocal cords. 
and when he was like in this trance, if maybe it's from something that's caused by like some kind of frequency, if they're playing some type of like music or something when they were doing this, um, I wonder if it like just that weird medical shit that you hear about where people go into a trance and then they like dislodge like a nodule or something. I wonder if there was something like that with it. Well, and Jenny, you brought up something interesting that I hadn't thought of when we were talking about the notes uh, in regards to like Kevin, our buddy from where the weird oh, ones yeah, are. I thought this sounded very, very similar to when he uh, crossed over to the, the mushroom village and they told him he didn't need these anymore. And they were referring to his eyeglasses. And um, I guess he stepped on them. And then literally by the time he came back and went to the eye doctor. He didn't need them anymore. So I thought, that, I don't know. I just thought that kind of sounded like that a little bit. Just a trippy thing to think about. And again, looking at this from like folklore connecting in with like new ideas. So you hear about the whole idea about like the dimension above altering the dimension below. So that's where the whole idea comes in about like you draw a picture and then now it exists in the dimension below us. But the same could be said for, like, the dimension above us. And I know I've talked about this a bunch of times on the show where, like, the dimension above us could essentially be creating our dimension. And if that is the case, you know, it'd be the same idea as, like, uh, you know, you draw a guy with a little stubby arm and you just erase it, fix the arm, call it a day, everything's all fixed. For these things that are the next possible dimension above us, because you get in this fairy lore and it sounds very close to this, like, interdimensional stuff. I wonder if it's something, like, as simple as that. If they have some type, something to do with some form of creation in our reality where even talking about like all the gnomes and the fairies being the ones that like, you know, are the inner workings of like the woods, which still kind of fits what they're saying that they're like creating our reality in a way, you know, it could be something as simple as like, Oh, you have some type of medical defect. Here you go. Erase it. Boom. Fixed. Call it a day. And these That's trance like states could be how you access that dimension mm -hmm. to be able to contact them. Cause I mean, it's could even be the same kind of idea where like an artist feels inspiration to draw something. They don't necessarily know where it comes from, but it pops in their head be the same thing that we kind of do where it's like we you hear about like manifestation maybe if you like manifest it like projects something into the thoughts of the things that are above us that are theoretically possibly creating our dimension so it's like you don't necessarily make direct contact but they alter stuff but if you physically cross the veil into their reality and they're in front of you're in front of them it's like oh yeah for sure fucking no problem here you go fixed <laughs> call it a we'll day fix your, fix your throat <laughs> for you spit yeah, no up problem. some blood but <laughs> So anyway, after um, after his speech uh, was fixed at that point, uh, word spread and he started performing health readings for others. And this led to him like diagnosing cures for all sorts of other ailments. Um, and he all he did all of this while he was in these trance like states. And soon he discovered that the subject did not even have to physically be in the same room with him. Like he could just like supposedly channel in on somebody from, you know, thousands of miles away in some cases. And he could perform these health readings on these people. That um, kind of sounds like astral projection to me, just going someplace else and never actually physically going someplace else. Yeah. And like kind of remote viewing type situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, Edgar Casey specifically said when he was in these trances, he could telepathically like zero in on these people. And like, all he had to know was very little information about them, like who they were, where they were at. And he could just supposedly, you know, hone in on them. 
connecting with the previous guest, it sounds a lot like what uh, Brian Bodian was talking about when uh, we had him on the show and he was talking about uh, how he was doing all this type of stuff at the end. And just for all the listeners and everything like that, we were talking to him a bit about coming back on to talk about all of his channeling and all that. So maybe we can get more information on the process of this specifically because he does do that remote viewing. He told a couple stories when he was on the show if anybody's uh, interested in going and checking that out. It was towards the tail end of the show with him. Yeah, so moving on a little bit, um, in 1903, Edgar Casey married a woman named Gertrude Evans, and they moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, she disapproved of him performing these readings because she was very religious as well, and she thought they were immoral. But, dun, 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 she later got tuberculosis, and the doctors were not able to fix her Nothing they tried worked, and so Edgar tried one of his readings on her, and he found a cure. And so she was fine with the readings after that. Like, after he saved her life, it was all good. So she had no moral qualms about it anymore. It was either that or she was going to flip something and be like, oh, I'm getting better because you just sold me to the devil or some crazy shit like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, and she might have very well have done that. I, I cannot confirm nor deny uh, so while they were in Bowling Green, the Casey family entered a period of financial hardship, and so they eventually had to move to Selma, Alabama. And Edgar kept doing his readings during this whole time, uh, but he was kind of doing them on the side while working just kind of menial, odd jobs. But around this time, the New York Times published a series of articles on him, and so this led to appearances and you know, numerous other publications and so his fame and notoriety like really blew up at that point, and people started sending him donations, and he started working and practicing full-time at that point. So in 1923, uh, the Casey's moved to Dayton, Ohio, and at the behest of a wealthy man named Arthur Lammers. So in Dayton, uh, he began doing more readings on kind of metaphysical and what we would consider like new agey type subjects. He uh, talked about reincarnation. Uh, he talked about Atlantis a lot. Um, when we were spoiler alert, uh, when we were at the Edgar Casey center, like they had a ton of books about his Atlantis readings or at least like two mm -hmm. or three that I saw. Like guessing the location of Atlantis or like what, what exactly was he talking about with Atlantis? Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Teaser. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's put that one on the back burner. Uh, and he also talked a lot about, kind of the true nature of God, which again to him was very jarring since he was such a devout Christian when he grew up. But in one of his readings, he said, and this is a quote, electricity or vibration is the same energy, the same power ye call God. Not that God is an electric light or an electric machine, but that vibration that is creative is of the same energy as life itself. Which is weird to think about because, of course, like when you create like uh, when you when you like wrap wire around the piece of metal and you make uh, oh, my brain farting on the name, a conductor or whatever, it uh, <clears throat> creates like a vibration and that's what ends up making it so that it ends up creating heat. So, again, it's like I don't know if they already had discovered that at this point in history, but almost if they hadn't, it's he was already talking about something that later on they would figure out actually does work like that. <laughs> well, and I took this more as you know, he's talking about energies and vibrations and stuff that we talk about as far as being the source of a lot of this paranormal and high strangeness. He's basically saying 
vibrations and energy is God, you know, which I think is super interesting. Like, I think this guy, you know, I'm skeptical of the whole clairvoyant type thing, but it seemed like this guy was able to tap into something. He just didn't quite know what he was tapping into. Kashik records, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yes, an ascending, you know, ascending higher vibration. That's how a higher consciousness. Yeah. Yes. And that connects into what I was saying earlier in the show about him having trouble with reading and writing because he was probably already elevating at that point. Mm-hmm. So Casey said that he was actually able to access this information from the Akashic record. So like, he specifically says that's something he was supposedly able to do. So right in line with kind of everything we've theorized here. <laughs> we, we might so, be onto something here. We, we might be pretty good at uh, figuring this stuff out because it always seems like it ends up playing out that way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, kind of at this time when he was making these more metaphysical readings on like Atlantis and the nature of God and whatnot, this was really the first time he was doing readings on non-health related topics. And uh, these kind of more metaphysical readings became known as life readings. So uh, when Edgar Casey began doing these life readings, uh, about this time, he got a secretary named Gladys Davis, and she kind of was his secretary for the rest of his career. And she's the one who recorded the vast majority of the readings that we have on file for Edgar. So these life readings, you know, received a lot more media attention than just the health readings were. And uh, he performed over 2,500 of these between 1925 and 1945. So uh, around this same time, when Edgar Cayce was in one of his trance-like states, a voice supposedly told him that he needed to move to Virginia Beach, Virginia, which I think this is just glorious. So he basically says... A higher power told me I need to move to the beach, which if we could figure out how to pull this off. Um, Listeners, I've been told that we need to move to Emerald Isle or Myrtle Beach. Yeah. We are waiting. We are waiting for our house. Yeah. So because of, you know, this uh, higher power that told Edgar this, one of his followers, which was a wealthy New York stockbroker named Morton Blumenthal, he ended up buying Edgar Casey a house in Virginia Beach. Hey, just to throw it out there, I need a house down in Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, shoot for the stars, man. I mean, if we're getting houses from higher powers, I mean. You got to manifest it. It's never going to happen unless you put it out in the ether. So you got to say it out loud. And I'll say it again just to be safe. Actually, I'll say it two more times because, you know, the whole three, th- three times the charm thing. I need a house in Kentucky. I need a house in Kentucky. <laughs> So uh, when Edgar Casey got to Virginia Beach, he founded the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is known as the ARE Center. And babe, would you like to talk a little bit about that? Okay, so we uh, we went there to visit, and this house was gigantic. Um, but also at the ARE Center, uh, they do. Um, complete readings. They have a library, a gift shop, a bookstore. Um, Orin bought a book, mm-hmm. and I bought a shit ton of crystals. I know y'all find that just impossible to believe. <laughs> I bought a book. She bought some rocks. <laughs> but like they, they had a meditation garden that was pretty cool. We took our GoPro and we're huge assholes all over this place. <laughs> so, 
and good news they had a little restaurant there and we found beer so oh there you we go we're good to go <laughs> no i was so confused about what the center was because he had kind of planned this whole thing and um i was joking and we call we call alcohol allotments it's just a do you want me joke. to tell the allotment tell, story tell, real tell quick why we do this all right so i'm not the largest fellow in the world so if i drink too much i get a little little hangry sometimes and uh, so I started, you know, I would just put a certain number of beers in the refrigerator. I was like, okay, if they're not cold, I'm not going to drink them. So I'm only going to put a few in the refrigerator and then I won't get myself into any trouble. So I started saying, oh, well, this is my allotment of beer for tonight. <laughs> and so that just takes too long to say. So I just started calling beer allotments. And now like we just, we're just dumbasses, And that's what we just call them all the time. Oh, do you need another allotment, babe? Like, yeah. So, so we walk into this little, tell uh, them about when we were in uh, Withville first. Oh my God. Okay. So in Withville, we walk into the hotel and they, it's a beautiful lobby. Not that it was like a super fancy hotel, but they have like, I don't know, 10 types of beer just sitting at the front desk so you could buy whatever beer and what did i say yeah, i said oh look babe they've got allotments and this guy looks at me and he goes what i said allotments we call beer allotments and then I like with no context whatsoever <laughs> we just like walked to the elevator at that point the guy's like okay but anyway so when we we're at the edgar casey are center we I found was, allotments yeah i was kind of joking because <laughs> i didn't think there was any way in hell they would have alcohol on this 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 property no, you thought we were like going to a church. Or I something. thought we were going to a church. I had no idea where we were going. So um, we walk into the restaurant and I go, I wonder if they have allotments. And I'm just really kidding. And he goes, oh, my God, babe, they have beer. I said, what? So anyway, so we found the beer and wine and walked around the meditation garden. It was just lovely. I'm going to have yes. to make a merch design that says, grab your allotments. It's time for Bizarre Encounters. Oh, my God. That's yeah. perfect. Well, if, if you guys don't uh, know it, we always have allotments on the show. So. That <laughs> random show. little crack that you hear in the middle of the show <laughs> at almost every single episode. That is not pop, my friends. <laughs> no, it is not. Or hydrating. <laughs> and if you hear a little sizzle coming from my end, typically that would be uh, me smoking something that isn't legal in all states. We'll have to come up with a name for your uh, your thing. Shane's allotments. <laughs> Shane's allotments. <laughs> hey, and then it would work perfect. Grab your allotments. You can put a beer can and a pot leaf. It'll be great. There you go. That's oh beer can and a joint. Grab your allotments. It's time for bizarre encounters. <laughs> I kind of love that. I think you should. <laughs> We're gonna start saying that in the beginning of the show. It'll be perfect. Grab your allotments, your boys. Allotments. <laughs> so everyone, keep that in mind. Yeah. But they were having like a, um, a I think they called it a mind, body, and spirit. Uh, fair so they had all these vendors there and um they were doing readings and if they if they had had someone doing the uh, akashic yeah so they were doing like past life regressions and another strange synchronicity i saw i think it might have been last week a episode of uh, inquiries pop up where your guest was talking about Past life regressions. Am I correct in this? Yes, sir. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to so. say that was the next thing I was going to bring up. I just had a guest yeah. on that was talking about this, and I had my first past life regression done recently. <laughs> well, here we go. Just another 
Another synchronicity to add to the storm. But, well, I didn't actually realize they were doing that, but I probably well, I saw like a, a flyer for it. Okay, but. I might I might not have been ready for that. <laughs> Jimmy, your house burned down in a in a prior life. That's what's wrong with you. That's why we can't grill out on the porch. Can't grill. <laughs> your house was pillaged at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but. Anyway, was there anything else, babe, you kind of wanted to touch on on the ARE Center? I think no, we- it was just really cool. And once we had a beverage to walk around with, we walked around for hours. And, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did that. And the only thing I will add is no judgment. And this is coming from somebody who has, like, a very high threshold for weird. Some of those, like, metaphysical New Age people, they're a little bit out there. Like, they were great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they make the cryptid community look just downright normal. But. Hey, I mean, the cryptid community <laughs> is only just a sidestep off from the outdoor community. The only it difference really is, is yeah. everybody looks the same. It's just that instead of talking about bears, they're talking about Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just the bear stood up. That's, that's the only difference. <laughs> <laughs> and also there's a thing that looks like a dog that's right behind you. <laughs> yes. Easy peasy. So, um, like I said... Uh, Edgar Casey started the ARE Center in Virginia Beach, and one of the main goals of the center was he wanted to kind of devise consistent remedies for these ailments that he saw popped up. So he kind of wanted to catalog all these um, health readings that he had done so he could kind of diagnose and help people out with whatever they had going on, just kind of streamline everything. And... um, a lot of these health readings have kind of formed the foundation for kind of the holistic health movement that we have nowadays. And he's kind of widely regarded as the father of, you know, new age, metaphysical, holistic healing, all that kind of stuff, which I had no idea before, you know, kind of diving into this, that this guy had such an influence on so many different things. And so also at the center, he wanted to start study groups so he could help his friends and family become psychics and clairvoyants themselves. And he stressed that the purpose of life and, you know, partaking of these activities was to become a more spiritual, aware, and loving person, which, you know, also kind of sounds like some of the messages that people get from extraterrestrials and stuff like everybody love everybody you're killing your planet that sort of thing little do you know these messages are actually being channeled by the planet itself and the planet is conscious everybody take care of each other because it just doesn't want us to destroy it anymore (laughs) it's the mushrooms man hey it's like that whole concept that what if the earth is conscious to begin with and just like how a body reacts it tries to do anything it can to get the uh the virus out of it and we're the virus and that's why we keep getting hit with all these crazy weather patterns why a bunch of crazy shit happens is because we're intruding on another living consciousness (laughs) So when it gets the chance, oh. it channels its messages to people and says, stop fucking me up. <laughs> I mean, would you blame it for fucking with us? I certainly wouldn't. But. I mean, can you just imagine how big of a game changer it would be if you could talk to the virus directly? Like, that'd, that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, at this point, interest in Edgar Casey's work increased even further because there's an article that appeared in Coronet magazine called The Miracle Man of Virginia Beach. And at this point in time, after he kind of blew up even further, he was doing as many as eight readings per day. And, you know, these readings were very taxing on him. Um, you know, 
just kind of like, I mean, coming out of hypnosis, people say that, you know, it's just mentally, emotionally draining. And he was doing this eight times a day. So obviously this affected his health. And I thought this was pretty funny. Like in the actual readings, he would tell himself that he was doing too much and needed to slow down, which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) But not so funny because of all this exhaustion. He suffered a stroke and he died on January 3rd, 1945 at the age of 67. And he is buried in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. There's Hopkinsville again. So it's not really known exactly how many readings in total he made because a lot of the earlier ones were not recorded anywhere or not preserved. But he performed over 8,000 readings from 1901 to 1922. And there are records of over 14,000 readings in the ARE archives, which we got to see the other day. What's that, all those books? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're so like it's just like a huge bookcase in the library. They were all like leather bound, and we didn't take them out and look at them. But yeah, they're all there, so uh, you can go see them if you're in the can Virginia you Beach take area. Them out and look at them. I, think, I mean, I was scared to touch anything. If I'm not mistaken, I think if you are a member of the okay. center, you're allowed to. But I think they just had them out since it was the fair and whatnot. Okay. They were basically just allowing people to walk around and explore. Sounds like you guys went out a good time then. (laughs) Yeah. And then it just so happened that we ended up there, you know, for the fair. So another synchronicity, Uh Mm -hmm. but in addition to these readings, uh, Casey allegedly had many other abilities, including astral projection, which we've talked about a little bit, and access to the Akashic Record, and the ability to see auras around people. He also, we've also touched on this, made readings about Atlantis, and he said that in 1958, the United States would discover a death ray which had been used to destroy Atlantis. Ooh. So, I, advanced technology much? <laughs> there you go. Little did they know and Elon he, Musk when he died, he, or not Elon Musk, when Nokia Tesla died, he didn't actually die. He went into time because the Nazis took him and his death ray and destroyed Atlantis themselves. Crazy conspiracies Edgar. to throw in out of nowhere. Bum, bum, bum. Edgar Casey death ray. <laughs> yes. So he also believed in the presence of extraterrestrial life. And he said that there were what he referred to as soul entities that had intermingled with animals on Earth to produce, quote unquote, things such as giants. Ooh. So this is also like my sounds kind of cryptid part. related here. Yeah. So this is my second favorite part other than the whole Hopkinsville connection. So basically he's saying like hybrid creatures were the work of soul entities intermingling. So I think that's pretty cool. And what are these soul entities? Are they fallen angels? Are they the Anunnaki? That's for you guys to decide and figure out. <laughs> the Nephilim, perhaps? The Nephilim? <laughs> we can go yeah, on with many said- names here. Yeah, we can just keep rattling them off. But he said these giants, as he claimed, were up to 12 feet tall, which kind of is in line with a lot of the accounts of all the stuff we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Such as uh, the giant of Kandahar. Just want to throw that one in there, which will also be a future uh, Bite Size Bizarreties episode. So Edgar Casey also said that the human soul was composed of vibrational energy 
and that the purpose of the individual soul was to experience different things and evolve a higher consciousness. And isn't that all we talk about now? Yep. Yeah. It's <laughs> vibration and higher consciousness higher ascending consciousness. to yes. higher and levels. He was talking about the shit back in, well, I guess it was 19. Well, he 19- died in 1945. So yeah, it was before so the early 1900s. Yeah. yeah. I feel like yeah. everybody has, even if they don't really think about it, but subconsciously, it seems like everybody that you ask, obviously nobody knows what the meaning of life is, but everybody's best guess, it seems to be at this point in time, is experiences. That's where I've been at for the past like 10 years. And anybody asked that question to, they, everybody firmly starts is starting to believe that the meaning of life is experience. So again, it's connecting into all of this stuff that's coming coming around full circle, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this guy was tapping into this stuff, you know, 80 years ago. Mm-hmm. But his career and his readings were not without controversy. And there were skeptics, of course, and they said everything from that he was just, you know, kind of practicing pseudoscience, which I think is kind of funny because that's what people say about the cryptid community and things like that. Graham Hancock, uh, but, <laughs> pseudoscience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you know, other people just thought he was an outright quack which is understandable but um fascinating all the same though yeah Mm -hmm. fascinating but he did make some predictions that turned out to not be so true uh he predicted that los angeles san francisco and new york would be destroyed at some point you know in the near future when he was living and he also predicted that the second coming of christ would occur in 1998 which I guess we don't really know, but it seems like that probably He came didn't in happen. the form of a grunge band singer and he didn't last past the nineties. <laughs> Maybe it's Justin Timberlake. <laughs> that would be Crummy River. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the more controversial ideas that came out of his readings was a theory called polygeneism. And this theory supposedly states that at the time of creation, five different distinct races were created and placed in different regions of the earth. And according to Casey, the five races were white, black, red, brown, and yellow. And allegedly the red race was the race that was put in Atlantis before it was destroyed, which not to get to on PC or anything, obviously the red race would be Native Americans. They, were, according to this theory that he had, were the people who originated in Atlantis. I think that's kind of interesting and cool as well. Especially considering the fact that, um, like, if you think about a lot of, like, the depictions of, like, architecture, I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it does share a lot of, like, common nuance with a lot of, like, uh, the... South, North and South American like native uh, people like it, it it just gives me that kind of like vibe and feeling and I mean that just maybe because I watched Atlantis when I was a kid and they kind of depicted them that way but I mean at least for me just like the architecture and stuff reminds me a lot of just like native stuff to begin with it seems like it's just different variations that all kind of had the same root at least again from my perspective Dan you know we always talk about how the Native Americans seem to know things that nobody else seems to know so i mean maybe this is a reason to explain away why they know that and you know that's kind of where i land on this whole edgar casey thing like i said earlier in the episode i'm generally pretty skeptical of anyone who claims to be a clairvoyant or anything like that but given the fact that a lot of this stuff happened like said you know 
80 years ago and there's enough little nuggets that we've just unpacked through all that. Like, I, I think there's something there. I think he had definitely tapped into something like how clairvoyant he was. I don't know, but I think it's really interesting to think about. It was cool to see the property, see the visitor center and all that. And uh, yeah, so this was a fun one to do. It was fun to be there and, yeah, that's basically all I got on this one. Just to yeah. play devil's advocate, too, I want to make a comment on the whole, like, guessing the future and making predictions thing. Um, if you guys get into the whole thing with, like, Project Looking Glass, things like that, for example, um, they talk about this idea that the future isn't necessarily set in stone. It depends on, like, which timeline variation you end up going down. So, again, just playing devil's advocate, I'm not saying this is the case, but a lot of these people that are making premonitions of the future, you know, they could make these premonitions of the future, and then by stating them that they are happening, that could then change the course or the timeline that everything goes down, and maybe where the timeline was where they were when they made these predictions that may have been an end cause, but maybe it's kind of like that uh, that thing where if just because you said it now out loud, now there's factors working against that happening. So you end up changing the timeline just by like mentioning the timeline out loud. But again, just just trying to play devil's advocate. But I mean, I, I still get into the whole weird timeline factor, and I feel like that should be suggested and plays some kind of a role at least in some of these future premonitions. If you get into the whole idea of multiple dimensions and multiple timelines, of course. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way till you just said that. But I mean, obviously, we talk about alternate dimensions and things like that all the time. Maybe, you know, the theory is there's limitless dimensions where if anything can happen, it will. Maybe these premonitions that he's having, like they did happen. Maybe Jesus Christ did come back in some other dimension in 1998. Maybe New York and San Francisco did get destroyed somewhere else and if he was able to tap into these things i don't know at least something interesting to think about i mean even possibly look at timelines almost like a route where you have like the main solid timeline and then the route will go and it'll split into three different directions and it can continue down each of those paths and then when it goes down one of those paths then it splits into three other more directions so you know they could be looking at one specific line all the way down from the plant all the way to the base of the route but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the path that we end up taking because there's multiple spots where it can deter away from that timeline. And again, you may at one point be exactly set on that timeline where this is going to happen, but because of just things happening, then you sign tangent into two other different timelines and then you get pulled even farther away from that being a possible scenario. Cause when you talk about the future, again, with the whole idea about um, just like humans having their ability to like, you know, what, what's what I'm looking for, for um, having uh, free will, you know, that, that plays a factor where it's like you have three possible scenarios that could happen, and depending on which path the people take because of free will, that will determine what the future is. So there's nothing set in stone for humans necessarily because of us being able to alter and change things depending on, like, how we react to things as they're happening. I mean, the end goal may always be the same, and the path might deter away and come back to a same point, but a lot of these crazy traumatic events, again, might be side tangent and not be that endpoint timeline. There you go, listeners. We just figured out the secrets of the universe. It's one of those make-your-own-adventure books <laughs> like you read in middle school. You're just Indiana Jones making your own adventure. 
Dude, those were the best. Why did they stop making those? Oh yeah, because people play like video games now. <laughs> people don't read quarter books. Dude, I remember in elementary school they had a whole section of those books, and every single time we go to the library, the teacher said, "Oh, we have to say we have to read a book," and I'd always get those books, and she'd get mad at me for getting those books, and it's like, bro, like. I'm a kid reading. Like, why are you getting mad? Because I'm picking a pick yeah. your own path. Cause it's not a solid chapter book. Like it's exciting to be able to read and have a different story. I can get that book read all week and have 10 different scenarios that happen off that one book versus reading the same story continuously. Like that's just sweet. So why that's they how you got it? to be like this. Yeah. Open-minded individual. I like creating my own paths, man. <laughs> I don't want that and defined story. But I guess uh, starting to lead up towards the end now, of course, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the episode because I definitely did. And I don't know if you guys have any more comments to say on it before we start leading into the end of the show. But I just wanted to say that I didn't thoroughly enjoy this one. Well, I thought it was fun, too. No, like, honestly, the discussion has been even better than I thought it would be when I was looking at the notes. I was like, man, I I, I tried to streamline them as much as possible. And I didn't know if we'd have enough to kind of fluff out to a whole episode but it didn't need any fluffing i mean this one took us down some cool rabbit holes and some good discussion and i had a blast with this one so thank you guys for putting up with me uh just rambling on for an hour (laughs) and uh, i just want to throw it out there too thanks all the listeners for i guess i don't want to say putting up with me but i've been kind of off my game the past couple weeks if any of you guys have kind of noticed on some of the episodes that i'm not i wasn't as uh optimistic or whatever you want to call it. I was just a little bit off for the past few episodes, but I got some new stuff set up. Um, I'm going into a new job that I'm starting on Monday. Uh, I got my good show headspace back. So I definitely feel that that played a big factor in this because I felt like I was just throwing a lot of balls in the left field as far as like, uh, you know, the devil's tramping ground went, but I felt like this one was kind of back on course. So I just want to say thank you to you guys and to the listeners for dealing with me being kind of off the past couple of weeks, but everything will be back to normal going forward. Back on your game now. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, you guys know the deal. Do the internet things. Reach out to us on social media, on Instagram, through the website, through the submission form on the link tree, all that good stuff. You guys know the drill. And uh, if you guys haven't already left a review or rating for the show, we definitely would appreciate it if you did. If you guys leave a review on iTunes, of course, we will read it out on the show, give you guys a shout out. And if you really enjoyed this episode or you have friends that you think would really enjoy the show, don't forget to share this episode or the show with those people. And on top of that, if you have one of those weird friends that only watches three-minute clips or whatever, maybe not won't sit down for a full hour, two-hour episode, don't forget, you guys can always share TikTok clips and YouTube clips with those people to continue pushing on the show and helping it grow. Okay, and as always, everything that we've mentioned is listed in the link tree in the show notes. I've been Shane. I've been Warren. And I've been, it's almost my motherfucking birthday, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) And always, always remember, just like the new t-shirt design says, to stay bizarre. And drink your allotments. And drink your allotments. (laughs) (laughs) Bizarre. 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 Allotments? (laughs) 